Nikki Stonehall. She will tell you a little bit more of who uh, she is. Um, so I don't want to waste any time, but uh, next we're praying for you and I can't wait uh, to hear what you're going to share with us. Buckle your seatbelt, but get ready to receive from Jesus. Thank you, Vaughn. Um, uh-huh. um, at the 8 a.m., Vaughn introduced me by my maiden name, uh, which has not been my maiden name for five years. It's okay. It's okay. Um, I am not from South Africa. Your ears do not deceive you. I often have to say to people, I'm not from here. Uh, I am originally from America, but I've been living in Joburg for eight years, which I personally believe should come with an award and a cash prize, gifts, something. However you want to reward it, I will take it humbly. Uh, And I moved here in 2015 to work for Impact Africa. You guys have heard about us. We're one of Colab's partners. I, with a team of women, run our baby rescue where we're working on advocating for women, for mothers, and for babies. Specifically, I run our main baby home, and that's where we are taking care of babies who have been abandoned or signed over by mom for adoption, or they could actually be en route to reunification as well. So every day, I'm working with these kiddos that are on their journey to adoption, who are on their journey to reunification, or as we like to say it, they're forever families. I'm married to Chris. Chris is over here on the camera. Um, When we were in our preach meeting, Duncan was like, you should pull him up on stage. I was like, listen, I have to go home with this man. When we started the series and there were like these couples that were preaching together, I said, honey, wouldn't that be so fun to like preach together? And he looked me dead in my face and said, no, it would not. (laughs) That's so rude. (laughs) This is what five years of marriage gets me. But it's okay. We, we are a good balance. He likes to be behind the camera. We have Adelaide, who is two. She'll be three in December. She is wild. This kid is on a mission. She is strong-willed. I often like to say that strong-willed women will change the world. Their moms just have to raise them first. And that is my daughter. She, this morning after we were praying, we opened the parents' lounge door, and she was gone. And I was like, I lost her. The problem is, this is not the first time I have lost my child at church. It does not bode well for you when you have lost your child at church. She was quickly found. So if you ever see like a little blonde-headed kid running around, just full force, like breaking past you, just grab her, because there probably is me or my husband trying to find her at the same time. Yo, she's fast, yeah. Well, yeah, please just save me from my child. So we, uh, one of the fun things I was thinking about earlier is something like a fun fact about my husband is his dream for our family is to have all girls. My husband wants to be a girl dad with everything in his being. And so when we found out that we were having Adelaide, having a girl, he was so excited. And of course I was like, whatever, as long as she's healthy, they're healthy. I want a boy. I want to be a boy mom. But because my husband apparently has special favor and blessing from the Lord, um, our entire family, I just, even next child in the name of Jesus, when we talk about like maybe one day, you know, and names, it's always girl names because that's all my husband wants. I thought, I was thinking about that and like, that's just something I love about my husband is his heart for our daughter. So when they approached me to to speak in this series uh, and James sent through a list of psalms that had already been chosen, and we had to choose from the ones that were not on the list. So I would think, I was like, oh, I could talk about this, and then look at the psalm that, for me, it coordinated, nope, that's been taken. 
to talk about, the, nope, it's been taken. No, that psalm's been taken. <laughs> so then Psalm 63 popped up, and I had a conversation with God, and I said, listen, I don't want to talk about this. This is not a fun subject for me. I don't want to do it. And the Lord said to me, well, yeah, but I want you to, so you're, you're going to do it anyways. I was like, but God, I'm going to stand up there and I'm going to cry in front of these people. And he's like, listen, you're on stage at least once a month during worship. You cry. You've already cried in front of them. That's not embarrassing anymore. I'm like, okay, God, fine. So I begrudgingly was obedient. Um, but what's been cool is to hear, see how the Lord has been working through this time. So I'm just going to jump into Psalm 63. The title of it is My Soul Thirsts for You, a Psalm of David when he was in the wilderness of Judah. O God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you, as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I have looked upon you in your sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. In your name I will lift my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night, for you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings I will sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your, upright hand, your right hand upholds me. When we find David, he is in the desert of Judah, and this is often actually also called a place of refuge, where he would often find places to hide. Before last year, I didn't have any context for what a desert was. Guys, I'm from middle of nowhere, Michigan, and middle of nowhere means forest, like trees. You drive 10 minutes, there's a lake. You drive 10 minutes, there's another lake. And you look out your window, it's just trees. I did not know what a desert looked like. So I didn't have a, a picture of what this could be. Then last year, I experienced firsthand the Karoo Desert. At the beginning of 2022, my husband's family, because my husband is from South Africa, his parents decided they were going to move to Cape Town, essentially abandoning us and their, their favorite grandchild. She's the only grandchild, but that means she's the favorite. Any other firstborn grandkids, say amen. Used to be good times, hey? Well, when they moved, they drove one of their cars, left one. We said, it's cool, we'll make a holiday of it, and we'll just, we'll drive down with our one-year-old daughter, because that sounds like a fun activity. We made it, though. Like, we have survived. We are here. It may come up one day in counseling. That's fine. We'll work through it. But if you've ever done that drive, you know that a very big portion of it is through the Karoo Desert. For my daughter, a dream, because there are so many sheep, and she loves animals and sheep. And, you know, every sheep we pass. For me, not so much. Because there are only so many times that you can point out the window and say, look at that bush. Look at that skinny tree. Look at that sheep. And it just becomes the same because it all looks the same. So it gets really, really tiring really fast. But eventually you see trees. You see more green. You're like, whew, okay. There's life. We're near the coast. It's over. So when we read the words of David... He's physically in the desert of Judah, and he is saying, as in a dry and weary land, he's using what's around him to express what's happening in his soul. And he's expressing a deep need and desire for God. I personally can look back and see these moments in my own life, where my spirit felt that it was in a dry and weary land. God's presence and spirit, I needed it so badly, I needed it more than 
I think I could ever express, and I couldn't move forward without him. And I can remember so clearly the first time that this psalm really took root in my heart, in my mind. But to tell you that story, I first need to take you back all the way to 2001. Some of you weren't even born yet. That's fine. We will move on. But think back. So I was 17, and I was in grade 11. A few days before Christmas, my mom was in a car accident that resulted in a severe head trauma that left her with a physical and mental disability that she still deals with to this day. Well, we're really, really blessed to have my mom. She is so faithful. She loves the Lord. She's encouraging. She's my biggest fan. She also thinks I'm funny. So I love her. I love my mom so much. But our relationship isn't really the same as a mother-daughter relationship. As a result, I was left to take on a lot of responsibility around the house. I have two younger sisters. I needed to help care for them, get dinner on the table, make sure we were getting to school, as my dad worked full-time to take care of all of us. As I got older, my dad and I grew closer. I began to realize how similar we were and how our personalities were so much alike. I found in my dad a confidant, a sounding board, and a friend. Now we're gonna fast forward to 2011. In February of that year, my dad suffered a stroke. After a week in the hospital, we were on a really good road to recovery and things were really looking up. But then in April, he suffered another massive stroke. This time, there was no recovery plan, and there was no way forward. There I was, 26, left with the responsibility of helping plan memorial service, clean out his home, help my sisters process, and in all of it, I didn't even know how I was going to figure it out and move forward. I was truly in a dry and weary land. I experienced a longing in my soul, and it was at that time that the Lord met with me. I had been walking with the Lord for a very long time, and all I knew in that moment to do was sit and to read the Psalms. I was hoping for comfort, and God met me and fulfilled that need. One morning, I was reading Psalm 63, and these particular lines stuck out to me. So I have looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and glory. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. I didn't know how I was going to make it through without my dad. I couldn't fathom the following weeks and how they might look, let alone the years and all the change and all the life events that were to come. At first, the grief was overwhelming. It felt like everyone else was moving on and celebrating life, having babies, getting married, and I was stuck. I couldn't figure out how to find joy because I was missing this really big and important piece in my life. But David's words just stuck. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. I knew the only way I could move forward was if I chose to praise him in this time. If I decided then and there that I was going to focus on the steadfast love of God and then choose to praise him, not because of what he's done or will do, but simply because of who he is. The only reason we actually need to praise God is because of who he is. It is not a response to him, but rather it is a recognition of him. Now, just because I was choosing to praise God didn't mean that immediately 
all my pain and all the, the feelings, all the emotions were gone. You see, grief is something that really doesn't actually go away. It's an ongoing emotion that kind of hangs around for the rest of our lives. What does happen is eventually it doesn't become a daily emotion. It kind of moves to the background. But every once in a while, it'll pop up, maybe for something joyous like a wedding or a new baby. Maybe it's life transition and change, and all you can think about is talking to that person again. But what I've learned over the past 12 years is praise is more powerful than pain. When you and I choose to praise God simply for who he is and his love for us, we build a faith that can face giants and remain unmoved. I have had to actively choose not only to praise, but also to find hope. But how do you hope when it feels like your entire world is falling apart? I personally began to find it in scripture. One of those scriptures that has been just so significant to me is Romans chapter 8. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but just a few verses that have really stuck with me and have been so key to my healing. Romans 8, chapter 20, or sorry, chapter 8, verse 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. And then when you carry down into chapters or verses 37 through 39, it says, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, angels or rulers, nor things present or things to come, powers, height, depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. I have found so much comfort and hope in knowing that, first of all, that God is working everything I experience for my good and his glory. Second, that there is nothing that can separate us from the love of God. The knowledge that we are safe in his hands offers a freedom and security that we will never be able to find anywhere else. My deep feelings of sorrow do not compromise the salvation I have in Christ. And death is not the end of the story for those of us who have chosen to give our lives to Jesus. Instead, if we allow it, God will use everything we go through. One of my life mottos has become my story for his glory. And God has used my story of loss more times than I can even count. For me, hope comes into the picture when I remember the end reward in Christ is heaven. Through Jesus, we have a security in knowing that death is not the end of our story. When a Christ follower dies, it's only the beginning. I had to be reminded through scripture that my dad was now in the presence of Jesus. He is healed. He is whole. He is experiencing what so many of us are looking forward to and waiting for. When I think about heaven and I read in the Bible all that is said about it, I am filled with so much hope because I know there's not going to be any more pain or hunger, worry, or fear. But it's all replaced with the perfection and the perfect presence of God. And everything is restored. Everything, years and time are restored. I know I'll be reunited with my dad and so many people who have gone on before me. And that gives me hope. The best part of it all is I'm going to get to see Jesus face to face. And I also, we all, anyone who does, we get to join in the worship session in heaven that has been happening since the beginning of time. And it's going to continue on until the end of time. 
which there is no end of time, but still, till the end, it's always happening. <laughs> Over the last five years, I've been walking through a long season of loss, and I've really been experiencing these times of dry and weary lands. Since 2018, I've had three women that I love so, so dearly, friends and family, pass away after fighting breast cancer. And just this year, May, my grandpa passed away. In the midst of it all, I'm drawn to and reminded of the words of Psalm 63. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. There are days um, that I have to constantly remind myself to turn my heart towards heaven. To fix my eyes on what Christ has done for me and also what is to come. Back in December of 2021, our little family was once again hit with a loss that has been the hardest to recover from. We found out I was pregnant just before my daughter's first birthday. To be honest, I wasn't super excited at first because I am not a two under two sort of mom. I'm a, let's please give it some space so I can like figure myself out before we add another to this wild, crazy bunch. But I came to reconcile and knew that God had a purpose for this life. And I also recognized the miracle it is to fall pregnant. Around eight weeks, I began to notice something wasn't right. After several doctor's visits, we were given the news that I was miscarried. We lost our little one that we later named Amelia Joy. On December 18th of 2021, and the season of grieving that's followed has been the hardest I've ever experienced. And the picture I showed, I almost didn't show it, but I felt the spirit nudge me and say, there. The statistic says one in five women will experience miscarriage. That means in this room, there are women who have experienced miscarriage. And the only physical proof I have of my baby is that picture. And I want to speak to your hearts right now and say, Sister, God sees you. Your baby mattered. Your baby was real. And your grief is real. And I just wanted to encourage you with that this morning, and you are still a mama, even if you're not holding a baby in your arms. You are a mama. There are some days I have to speak words of praise through falling tears. If you remember me mentioning at the beginning that I work with abandoned babies, now, every day, I'm face to face with a child who is waiting for their forever family, and I'm still grieving the loss of my own baby. We've also had quite a few friends have new babies or second babies or third babies. I will sometimes sit in this feeling between joy for my friends, deep joy and love for that child, but also deep sorrow for our loss. But in the midst of it all, I am reminded of the promise of heaven. One Sunday, about three months after everything happened and during worship, the Lord gave me a picture and it was my dad. And in his arms was a tiny baby. The expression of joy and love on his face was when I recognized, because my dad loved being a grandfather. 
And I knew instantly he was holding our baby. I was filled with hope. Because I knew one day I was going to get to heaven. I am going to get to heaven. And I'm going to hear this little voice say, Mama. And my hope turned to praise. Because your steadfast love is better than life, my lips will praise you. So I will bless you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift my hands. Friends, the love of God isn't something to be ignored. It's a love that gave up his only son to stand in our place so that we could be made righteous and holy before him. It is a love that has pursued nations and people groups and individuals from the very beginning of time. It is a love that sees you and all of you, all of your scars, your hurts, your traumas, your grief, but yet it still runs after you. He loves you and he has always loved you and he will continue to love you. And even if you are actively running away from him and you are actively in rebellion against God, he still loves you. Maybe you can't see it. Maybe you can't feel it. Maybe you are so disappointed in God because he just has not come through. Things are not going your way. But can I encourage you? He's not forgotten you. You are not forgotten. And when you can't find the words to praise, simply starting with, because of your love for me and because of who you are, I will praise you. I often find myself repeating over and over again, you are good. You are good. You are good. And I might be in a situation where it's like, this does not feel good, but you are. I do not feel good, but you are. My circumstances are not good, but you are good. I know that some of the songs we sing can be really repetitive. Now imagine being on stage three times on a Sunday and you sing that three times, not to mention the rehearsals and listening to it all week. I will literally find myself weeks down the road singing that same song, which is great, but also can be really annoying when it's a song that maybe isn't your favorite. We all have them. It's okay to admit it. But what I realize is we need to be repetitive because we are forgetful. Our hearts are forgetful. And so we need to remind ourselves. What I love about the song, one of the songs we sang, is it says, I'll never forget what you've done. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. I'll never forget. And what that is saying to your heart is, do not forget. Do not forget who God is. Do not forget what he's done for you. So sing it. Speak it. Cry it out. However you choose to express yourself, just keep coming back to praise. Participate in worship. Y'all, I stand on the stage, and some of you stand there like you have not had coffee in your entire life. And you stare at us. And we're all going like, hey, we're giving you our best. Y'all, we are here at 6 o'clock in the morning on a Sunday. I'm just saying, give us something. But here's the fact, when we choose to show up on a Sunday and we choose to participate in worship, I'm going to say it again, we're joining in the song of heaven. We're joining in the song of heaven that has been going on for all eternity. Because when we choose to praise God, we take the focus off ourselves and put it back where it belongs. We remind our hearts that he holds it all, he sees it all, and that he's going to be our source of hope through it all. 
As the band joins me, I want us to search our hearts, and we're going to do a little bit of ministry time. I want to ask a few questions. Where are you today? Are you struggling to see through the fog of grief, and it just feels heavy, and you cannot find hope in this time? Are you frustrated because you feel like God's let you down? Because you've been praying, you've been waiting, you've been in it, and God just isn't coming through. Are you actively running away from God? Friends, I've been there. I went through a long season of running from God. But I can look back at that time and I can see where the love of God pursued me every step of the way. And if you don't think that love is real, I'm not from here, guys, remember. Like the Lord orchestrated it so that someone like me could be on a stage like this to share my story, to show you he loves you so much. He loves you so much. And the times I'll stand on the stage and that's all I can think is I just want to shout it. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Wherever you are, I want to encourage you to praise and find your reason to praise and to turn your eyes to Jesus. So if I can have everyone stand up for me, we're going to spend a little bit of time in prayer. We're going to go into, after this, we're going to go into Firm Foundation. But I want to remind us of a few lyrics. It says, um, when everything around me is shaken, I've never been more glad that I put my faith in Jesus because he's never let me down. He's faithful through generations. So why would he fail now? Our first group I want to pray for are those of you that are feeling disappointed by God. Maybe you're frustrated with him. You feel disillusioned. We're not going to raise hands. But I want to encourage us as everyone to close their eyes, bow their heads. And if you would, just in an act of submission, put your hands out in front of you and just open them as a release. To say, God, like, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm so frustrated right now. And be honest with him. Share your emotions with him. He cares about it. He wants to hear your heart. So God, I pray for each and every one of us in this room that is feeling so disappointed and disillusioned. And we're just waiting and waiting, and you haven't come through in the situation yet, God. Lord, will you help us fix our eyes on you? But God, more than that, will you give us glimpses of your glory now and how you are working and you have been working? God, and to know that our ultimate reward is in you in heaven. Be a comfort, be a peace, and be a guide in this time for each and every one of us. Now for the second group, I am going to ask a little bit of participation. And that's for those of us that are in a season of grief. You could have been grieving for two days. You may have been grieving for 20 years. It does not matter. Grief is real. If you're in that season and you'd be willing, would you just put your hands up? Because I want us to gather around those people and I want us to spend some time praying over them. So if that's you, if you're in a season of grief and you would like prayer, will you just put your hand up? Yeah. If you see a hand, will you gather? As you're, as you're finding someone to pray for, I want to share from that second verse. It says, I still have joy in chaos. I've got peace that makes no sense. I won't be going under because I'm not held by my own strength. Because I've built my life on Jesus and he has never let me down. He is faithful through every season. So why would he fail now? So let's just agree in prayer. God, we pray for those of us that are experiencing deep, deep grief. God, this feeling that just will not go away. Lord, I pray that you will be our comfort and our peace. 
God, that you will just move into these spaces and bring hope. Lord, help us lift our eyes to you. Help us to find moments where you are so good that we can't help but sing it and say it and speak it. God, I pray that you will just be so present in each of these lives, that it is tangible, that your touch is so tangible, God, that we cannot deny that you love us and you care for us. Yeah, God, you are good. And for the third group, as we wrap up before we go into singing, it's for those of us who maybe have actively been running from God. Maybe it's those of us who you've walked with the Lord, but you're in this season where you're like, I just don't see you, God. Are you real? You've been questioning. I want to offer an opportunity today to make a decision to put your faith in Christ. It's the, it is the best decision I've ever made. If all else falls away and I have him, that's all that matters. So I want to encourage you if you're in that place with every, again, every eye closed and head bowed. If you want to put your faith in Jesus today or you want to come back to a place where you're like, God, I know I've been running, but I need you. Would you just raise your hand? And here's the thing is, it doesn't need to be loud. It doesn't need to be public. It's between you and the Lord. It's confessing with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and believing in our hearts that God raised him from the dead. So you can say out however you want. I always just like to say, God, I need you. I need you. Please forgive me. I need you. And I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to go into some time of worship. And I want to encourage you to sing, 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 sing it. God, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you sent your son for us. God, that you loved us so much. That you made a plan from the beginning. That you have pursued our hearts. And that you see us and you love us still. So God, for every person that is making that decision now, God, I pray that you would again just be so tangible, be so real to them in this moment. God, that they will see a way forward and it's through you, Jesus. God, we love you and we lift our voices to you. God, remind us that you won't fail. Remind us that you won't fail. Show us where you've shown up, God. Show up and just show off in this place. Yeah, God, we love you. And all we can do now is to lift our voices and worship to you. Amen.